Hello and welcome to a special episode of the Methods Podcast. This week we are celebrating LGBTQ plus pride. My name is Daniel Kumar and I'm a business analyst here at Methods Analytics. Today I'll be talking with Sarah Rudston, data engineer, and Lucy Kerslake, delivery manager, also from Methods Analytics. We will be talking about the question, what does pride mean to me? This episode was recorded on the 7th of June. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Methods podcast. It's June and we're celebrating Pride Month. With me to discuss Pride and the question, what does Pride mean to me are Sarah Rudston and Lucy Kerslake and I'm Daniel Kumar. So as a brief introduction, I'm, um, I go by the uh, pronouns he, him, they, them. I am gay and I identify as non-binary. Sarah, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, uh, so I'm Sarah um, and uh, I'm a bisexual cisgender woman and my pronouns are she, her, hers. And I just want to say I'm, I'm just really thrilled to be a part of this and talking to both of you. Thanks, Sarah. Over to you, Lucy. Thanks, Dan. Hi, I'm Lucy Kerslake. My pronouns are she, her. Um, I consider myself an ally to the LGBT plus community and just like Sarah I'm really excited to be here and to learn a bit more and to have a conversation with you guys. Fantastic Um, I've been really looking forward to um, recording this episode Um, and really grateful for the opportunity for us to get together and have a have a virtual chat about this topic. Um, As an introduction to the topic of Pride I thought I'd give a brief introduction into what Pride is and why is it held in the month of June and then we will launch into our main discussion piece which is what does Pride mean to me? So what is Pride? June is the month dedicated to celebrating the LGBTQ plus communities and voices around the world and it is usually celebrated with parades, marches, parties, but also protests. Pride is about promoting equality, dignity, visibility, and the self-love in a society that even to this day still does not fully allow you to be fully proud of who you are if you're part of the LGBTQ plus community and beyond. Pride has been and continues to be a political statement. It is saying that I am proud to be me despite what the mainstream has to say. So why do we celebrate Pride in June? Now, I'm sure most people will have heard, here in the UK, will have heard of an organisation called Stonewall. Stonewall um, is actually a uh, a bar or pub in New York, uh, the Stonewall Inn. And on the 28th of June, I believe it was at 1.20am, according to the research I've done, um, there was a police raid on the uh, on the pub and that kick-started some unrest or riots. And these raids were not uncommon, they were pretty persistent. It was, there was a lot of police brutality and harassment on the, uh, on the community at that time. And eventually people just simply became frustrated with what was happening and began fighting back. Um, lesbians and trans women of colour were some of the key people involved in the act of resistance. Uh, names such as Stormy 
Delavari, Sylvia Rivera, and Marsha P. Johnson. Those are the three key figures who really kick-started what we now know as the LGBTQ plus movement or Pride. So 2019 was the 50th anniversary and we've come so far in so many places, yet, but we still have a lot to go. And this is why we celebrate Pride every year to remind us of that, that we've come so far, we've got so far to go. So let's move on to the actual discussion piece, enough of me talking. Um, we've asked ourselves um, as a trio, what does Pride mean to me? Um, pride can mean so many things to different people and we all have so many different reasons to be proud of who we are and how we express that. So Sarah, would you like to start first? Sure. Um, I just have to say that this is, I suppose, the first time that I've been speaking about myself in this context on a Pride podcast, uh, specifically as, you know, I suppose I'd, uh, to go into more detail later, as a bisexual person in a relationship which most people consider to be straight or straight presenting, uh, you're sort of always in a position of coming out to people. Um, but this is uh, a really interesting experience for me, kind of using a bit of my uh, bravery and honesty, I suppose, in talking about myself and talking about why I feel proud of myself. And um, there's basically two things at the moment that pride means to me. And one of them is that, is being able to be open about who I am as a bisexual woman and speak about what that means. And the second is to stand alongside everyone in the LGBTQ plus community, uh, including people in that community who are, I, I would say, far more marginalized, far more oppressed, having a, a really hard time of it. And to be able to do that, um, being honest and sort of authentic about who I am has been a massive part of being able to sort of, um, I guess, lend some of my strength to other people as well. Because pride, um, I suppose for me, is about community. And actually, the I haven't been to pride celebrations very much because I'm not actually very good with crowds. Uh, they tend to make me a bit nervous. Um, but one thing that just sprang into my head uh, on one occasion where I did go to Pride by myself, <laughs> and I was just sort of wandering around thinking, oh my goodness, you know, uh, usual sort of bisexual panic about should I be here? Am I authentic enough to be here? You know, uh, I saw the community tent where all of the small local community organisations had set up their stalls to talk about the services they offer to LGBTQ plus people. So I sort of dived in there. You know, it's a really busy day. There were loads of people. And then I saw the Bi Visible Bristol stall and I went over to it and I ended up having a really lovely conversation with someone there. And I just I just felt a little bit like I could breathe and <laughs> that I was in the right place just in there in the community tent, looking at all the fantastic work that people were doing, the support they were offering to each other. And I thought, OK, you know, I might not be able to deal with crowds very well, but this is where it's at for me, you know, being alongside each other, providing support to each other. And it's it's a wonderful community. I'm lucky in, enough to live in Bristol uh, where that community is is so strong. Um, so that's that's definitely a massive part of what pride means to me. 
you touched upon something that I'm interested in there, Sarah. Um, I recently learned about the concept of biphobia. I don't know if that's what people call it in everyday life, but that's what the internet seemed to call it. Um, and sort of what you said about bisexual people not feeling accepted in either community. Is that something you've experienced a lot or is it kind of a something you put on yourself? Um, it's actually both um, because uh, you're absolutely right that, that this sense of not being at home in so-called kind of either community like you're you're sort of too too gay for the straights and too straight for the gays you know with massive mm -hmm. like um inverted commas around that um it's a very very strong feeling that has come across to me yeah overtly by by people saying and doing biphobic things but also it is something that you internalize um so when i was when i was growing up i, I think I, I always knew that i was bisexual but um when I was a teenager, particularly, it was kind of a shorthand for attention seeking, kind of, mm -hmm. you know, untrustworthy or just kind of a bit flaky as a person. It wasn't a nice like there was no kind of acceptance there. It was just a sort of label that got stuck on you that, that wasn't particularly positive. And even though I kind of knew that I wasn't straight, I just thought, oh, you know, I don't know if I you know if this is if this is uh something i want to be open about because look how look how these people are being talked about and you know that was hard and it it does it can still be hard but they it kind of became more positive when i started thinking okay i'm looking around in the lgbtq plus community and i'm seeing a lot of people who are having a really hard time you know much harder than me i want if i want to be there for those people I have to kind of deal with the internalized biphobia that I'm experiencing because I can't be tying myself in knots and still showing up for others. So it became a kind of uh, circular thing almost of, of feeling okay in myself so that I can be there and be strong in that community and be strong for other people too. So I suppose, you know, that's, it's a journey. I don't think it, it'll necessarily ever stop. Um, but that's, that's where I'm at at the moment, which, which feels a lot more positive, I think, than it did in the past. There is, um, I guess it's a lot better now, but I, I know that even watching TV shows like Will and Grace from the uh, sort of late 90s, early noughties, um, there's this sort of narrative that if you are bi, uh, which is which essentially is bi erasure, that, that basically you're on the way to gay and it's okay. like halfway stop like oh they're not they're just fully out of the closet yet and also oh they're not really by they just can't make up their mind or they're being greedy okay. and it's a real it, it was almost like a flippancy and like a and it, it was it was it's i don't know even to this day i guess people do still have this attitude but it, it is really quite harmful and really quite um well it, it is a form of you know erasure completely ignoring the fact that people are genuinely by and do generally have these you know this is their lives you can't just completely deny it it is a fact um i don't know about you so if you, if you feel that the community has come uh, uh, if things have improved if there's if things are a lot better than they were um, um it, I think I think definitely they are they are better. There's there's a real strength of community on social media, for example. And um, I'm so lucky to have have friends um, and family who who support me and and you know make make me feel valid as a person. And um, 
you know, I, I do actually, I do see it as being a really, a really positive thing and positive steps have been made. I think that, you know, it's always a really complicated thing where you, you're kind of presenting a particular image of yourself to the world. Like, like I mentioned before, people will kind of assume that I'm straight because uh, I'm a cisgender woman in a relationship with, with a man. Um, and, but I think, uh, you know, I would tie myself in knots about this constantly and sort of think, well, you know, this is this is who you're seen to be. Like, can you really claim to be a member of this community? And, and you sort of go round and round and round in circles with it, which is the pattern that I'm trying to break now. Um, but what I realized was that there is a massive difference between acknowledging the privilege that you have and the life that you're leading and how different that life is from other people's lives and just kind of cutting yourself out of a community that you're very much a part of and deserve to be a part of. Um, so it's always about reconciling those things um, because it's not, you know, it's not exactly a privilege if you have to stay in a closet. Um, but at the same time, you know, I am living a different sort of life than I would be if I was in a relationship with somebody of the same gender as me, to, to be honest. So I, I do think it's important to, to look honestly at where, you are, where you're at and, and be proud of yourself and support yourself as well. I think you've kind of, you've said some really heavy things there, Sarah, about um, uh, looking after yourself as much as you look after other people. That is a really hard thing to do. And you're almost kind of putting the weight of their problems at the end of that sentence. You were saying, you know, I've got to look at their lives. And if I was with a woman, my life would be different. And it would, uh, implying that maybe it would be harder in some ways. Um, that's a well, lot. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think it can be complicated, but I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm almost uh, certain that, that that's true. It makes me think of... Um, the two women who I think were on a date um, who were attacked on a bus in London. I don't know if either of you remember that. Um, and one yeah. of the women after that news report came out, they were called a lesbian couple. And one of the women said, no, I'm not a lesbian. I'm bisexual. And of course, you know, if you're looking at the diversity of experience across bisexual people, I mean, if I'm on a bus with my husband, is something like that going to happen to us? No, probably not. Um, so I think being honest about your experience and your experience of life and, uh, you know, being able to understand those differences is crucial, but it doesn't take away from the fact that I'm a bisexual woman. I'm, I'm a member of the community and I, you know, deserve to be there and, and feel positive mm -hmm. about that too. Um, yeah. I would like to ask Dan at this point, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what does pride mean to you, Dan? Wow. Um, okay. <laughs> um, oh gosh. <laughs> um, so for me, um, pride, pride is important to me and it's something that I have had to, and I continually have to work at. Um, so oh, I guess this is audio, audio, um, media so you're not going to, be able to tell but I'm Asian brown um I'm non-binary I'm gay and I guess you could say I'm quite effeminate in my presentation I guess and as a kid growing up like that in in a predominantly white straight environment I didn't grow up with um any extended family who were Asian I didn't have any um in, in the immediate family that I grew up in um we weren't really taught much about our, my my culture, um, or heritage rather, I should say. And so we 
It lives in quite um quite a um this is quite a difficult environment really growing up. Um the the you know from school there was expectations to uh play rugby and to gawp at girls and you know do well I guess what teenage boys sort of stereotypically do I guess. Um, and then at home we had quite a strict religious home life. So everything that came naturally to me, which was, you know, not any of those things, was a source of shame. So I didn't know that growing up it was okay to be me, to be gay, to be, you know, not this macho man or this stereotype of a macho man. Um, in fact, it, you know, the word gay was the butt of a joke. You know, it was... Oh, um, it was associated with negativity. It was associated not just the fact that homosexuality was negative. It was oh gosh, that um, like if something was bad, you'd you'd use the word gay to describe it, basically. So instantly, it has a negative connotation associated with it. So I I didn't feel that I could be my true self, even around my immediate school friends. Definitely not my family, um, and. Forget, forget being a natural self. I, I didn't even think that I could celebrate who I was. So um, when you would see people who can quite easily just, you know, go out on a date or um, just quite happily be themselves and have to have that um, sort of conversation about how they present themselves and how they are, it's, um, it's quite difficult. Um, even growing up, when you don't see yourself represented in the mainstream media. So um, I didn't really see many um, South Asian people of colour who would, you know, something I could could look up to really, or or anybody who was, you know, queer or, you know, like me (laughs) that I could look up to and understand really beyond the sort of stereotypes, I guess, that were portrayed by the media at the time. And when I did come out, and it was it was it was a process of coming out. Um, the the idea of of pride to me, like I said earlier on, was something that I had to really work at. It's something that um, I had I couldn't always say initially that I was proud to be gay. I couldn't say that I was proud of who I was. And um, we did have a quick discussion before about you know how I identify as non-binary. And I, I always knew that there was something different <laughs> about the way I expressed my gender. I didn't know quite what to call it and I didn't know how to express it. I, I, I just knew that I just did me and that that the way I did me you know visually was one way and um you know my friends you know who closely they just accepted it as that's just Dan you know they didn't have any problems with it that's Dan he is Dan and more recently sort of researching and you know reading more people sharing their experiences about gender expression um I've started to realize that the non-binary um the non-binary is, is something that I th- you can identify with and I um you know in my email signature you'll see that my pronouns are he him they them um but yeah I think it's like I said it is something that I continuously work at and 
there are times when I do sometimes think, gosh, I should maybe tone myself down because I'm going into maybe a professional environment or I'm going into an environment where recently I've been house hunting. So, you know, I need to make a good impression on an estate agent. So I will you know, perhaps dress more conservatively. And I think, well, why am I doing that? Who's, who is being harmed here? And so um, it's something that, like I said, continuous work. Um, but I think it's a, the main thing for me is that I do try and live my authentic life as often as I can, um, not just for myself. And I think it's obviously we should do everything for ourselves, but I think it's also important for that, you know, younger Daniel Kumar, who's in the next generation to come. Hopefully they can, you know, they, they will one day see me, you know, swishing around the streets <laughs> with my <laughs> with my blue hair, my nail polish and a face full of beats. Um, and they will say, well, they can be who they want to be. Why can't I? And it's fine. They have a, a job, they have a home, they have friends, they're happy, they're successful and they're gay and non-binary. It's not a detriment to them. And that to me is pride. I think um, yeah, I, I think I just want to spread that message, really. Um, there was a quote that I really I wanted to to read out. Um, Janelle Monet posted on her Instagram yesterday. I don't know if anyone follows her on Reddit, but um, queer people don't grow up as ourselves. We grow up playing a version of ourselves that sacrifices authenticity to minimise humiliation and prejudice. The massive task of our adult lives is to unpick which parts of ourselves are truly us and which parts we've created to protect us. And I think that was quite a powerful um, quote that um, I know I identify with. Um, I sort of realised I messed up with my um, family recently and I realised that for for you know almost twenty odd years of my life, I created a persona for them. I created who I thought that they wanted to know. That you know, I thought I created who I thought they wanted to to know in their family. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And um, again, I've realised over the, more recently that as if I am going to be truly proud of who I am, I need to be my authentic self because I am robbing them of the chance to get to know the real me, to see who I am. And so it's, like I said, it's something I'm continuously working on. It's a journey. Um, but yeah, that's that for me <laughs> is why pride is important. Authenticity. So I had a question for you, Dan, um, related to the pressure you felt from your family to not be gay, whether that was an actual pressure or whether that's one that was created sort of you thought they wanted that um when I see things represented like that on tv in life it often seems to be linked to culture um, and culture sometimes links to religion now as a Christian that's something that really interests me um and whether religion played a part in all of that I don't know if you're religious so this might be a moot question um yes yeah, so it's it's a combination of both, actually. So, um, yes, I was brought up in a Christian household. Um, my, 
family, I, my mother especially, she would um, call herself a Pentecostal Christian, and so mm. we were brought up in that in in that church in that in belief system. Um, I I, th- I think there were certain times growing up that it was sort of made clear, not at me, but it was made clear that the gay lifestyle is just wrong, and, the, and it, but it was almost like. Um, I remember once, like, someone mentioned the word gay at school, and I said, I came home one day, and I said, oh, what does gay mean? And I was in front, of, we were in front of some family friends, and I just came, you know, as a kid, you say things sometimes, you're like, oh, what does the word purple mean? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> so suddenly I just came out like, oh, what does gay mean? And I was whisked out of the room. <laughs> And I was like, and my mum was like, we really still talking to you. Because I can remember where I, where I was exactly when she did this. She's like, don't ever talk about this again. Who told you this? And, and it was very clear that you don't talk about this. It's wrong. It's taboo. And um, yeah, and so when, and, and then as, as I got older, it wasn't specifically said that the game was wrong. It was like, if things, if the topic of things came up, um, and I can remember the conversation about um, Queen, the the band Queen came up, <laughs> and um, I was like, okay, I didn't know who he was. So I just liked the song. I didn't think much of it. Um, and <laughs> tell me, oh yeah, he he was um, he he was uh, what was the word she used? I thought he he was gay, and so I was like, oh, what does that mean? She's like, um, and she couldn't quite bring herself to explain it. Also. <laughs> um but i I must say that this is like obviously like 20 odd years ago like this is when Mm -hmm. i was little so um (laughs) yeah so then but then part of it those little things that happened built up to be this thing in my mind that was like right okay i cannot be anywhere near that and then suddenly i put this pressure on myself and this whole shell um of, of, of oppression based on right okay well they they're not going to accept me because i'm approaching these sort of areas in my life that look like what they didn't like and i don't want to be that um and so yeah so there's a lot of unpicking of that um as per the quote yeah mm, it's and um, what is your faith now do you believe have you reconciled it have you found a way that you feel like you can be a christian and you can be who you are or no uh personally i i'm not religious um having said that i do is this kind of it's kind of weird because i do sometimes go back to like certain um like you know like music especially <laughs> from like the church group like I love gospel music I think mm-hmm. that's something that will never leave me I think it's uh and I, I do listen to you know the, the the lyrics and I can't say that I'm 100% you know of the faith but it does have an important place in my life in a, in a weird way <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah I think it is it's not something that I don't think it will ever entirely leave my life, but yeah, I, I think have um, I have my own sort of uh, way of looking at it. I think. Mm, I mean, in in a sense, I guess that's a faith in itself. 
<laughs> I guess so, I guess so, yeah. It makes I... me quite angry when people call themselves Christians but then don't accept everyone because to me being a Christian is essentially being a good person and accepting others and being kind to others, treating others how you would like to be treated yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when people say, oh, you, well, you can't, you can't be gay or you can't be a gay ally and be a Christian, it just doesn't make any sense to me. It's, it's an interpretation, a wrong interpretation, in my opinion, of what the Bible says. But I should, I probably could wax on about it for a long time. And <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, why don't we move over to you to sort of discuss what, what pride means to you? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you've kind of touched upon it a bit, actually, Dan. Um, I think pride, the word pride to me, when I think about it, is quite an uncomfortable word, actually, not because of any associations we're talking about today, but because in Britain especially, being prideful means being boastful. And it's not seen as a good thing to talk about, you know, how good you are at something or how great you are. And so I think being proud of myself in any situation has always been quite a hard thing to do. Um, I've always been taught to, well, what's the next thing? How can I be better? What was wrong? And what can I do better next time? It's never celebrating what I've done or who I am or where I am at this moment so reading what pride is um, in the sense of June um, talking about self-affirmation um, that is a really tough thing I still I think I'm still working on um, and so to me pride is about partially it's about self-betterment so being kinder to yourself and being a better person to yourself um but also in the sense of June it's about seeing the broader spectrum of people out there and seeing actual representation of who we are as as a race a, a group of people and everyone like you say being themselves and being proud of that and not being scared to be who they are um because that's yeah that's that's a really hard thing to do so I'm actually really um impressed with both of you for being so brave and being who you are in despite of the adversity um because I don't know if I I am that person I don't know if I could do that (laughs) so that was quite a roundabout way of, of of saying that I think in Britain especially it's really hard to be prideful yeah I think um the word yeah I I had that initially that connotation with the word pride as um Again, growing up in you know, Christian, I would always, you know, as much as the, the various teachings, one of the like pride is a sin. Mm-hmm. And um, so when you come from hearing that, you think, oh, well, pride, well, why, well, what's this like? Pride, it must be sinful. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, like you said, like the, if there is something in our, in, in our lives that, you know, isn't actually bad, but we're constantly told to be you know, ashamed of or to downplay, um, pride is taking back that power and mm-hmm. saying, actually, this is me, this is who I am, and you kind of have to deal with it. It's not my problem anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Why should it be my problem, you know? Yeah, um, it's always, I, I get this sense that, like, 
by being your biggest and best self, you're somehow yeah. diminishing other people. That's mm. I think that's how I feel a lot of, time, of the time. If I say I'm good at this, it's like saying I'm better than you at this or I'm better than them at this. But it's not saying that, is it? It's just no. I am that's, me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I am me. Exactly. That's it. And I think when you aren't living your authentic self, if you, if you aren't being your your authentic self, if you're putting your um. I think this is from the Bible, isn't it? Putting your light under a bushel. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, you are robbing the world of your light. You're robbing the world of your talents and your and what you have to say, what you have to give to the world because of fear. And, you know, fear is the opposite of love. And I think if we want to live in a world that, you know, truly accepts each other in our diversity and be and is inclusive of each other, we need to not just celebrate, although celebrating each other is important, we need to celebrate ourselves and recognise what we have to give. And this is, you know, this comes in our personal lives, in, you know, just going around to the shops every day, <laughs> but in, even in, in our professional lives, I think um, we all have so many different experiences um, and stories to tell that we can really make you know our professional and professional space is quite colorful and um varied place to be just mm-hmm. by being ourselves I, think I that's wanted to ask you about thing. that actually Dan because you mentioned about the professionalism thing and that that had been a worry of yours before in the past that mm. you know the way that you're expressing yourself the way that you're being yourself is somehow not professional when actually it, it is the definition of of professionalism that that needs to be challenged I think quite urgently really because unprofessional can end up being a shorthand for you know anyone who's not already in the room uh yeah you know any anyone who shows any sort of difference or you know comes from a different background or represents themselves differently um so I don't know do you feel like anything's changing on that front or is it still quite difficult to feel confident that you are a professional person in the same way as, as anyone else I think there has been some progress. However, it's not always easy for me to necessarily be fully myself. Um, I I definitely would say that in the more recent years, things have generally gotten better. Um, I have been in environments where um, I have made a specific point of maybe turning down what I would wear um so for example I would um I, I would paint my nails like you know just maybe like a dark color nothing like you know too bright but just like you know as some people choose to paint their nails but I would remove that color before going into a meeting so there was one time I'd gone to a wedding and the um the as part of the bridal party um the bride wanted us all to have this sort of like blue navy blue gels done and after the wedding i i don't know if you've ever tried to remove gels they're quite <laughs> difficult to remove on your own and it took a good few hours and it damaged my nail beds but i had a meeting that i knew i had to go into that i needed to sort of perhaps um the client perhaps wasn't the most uh progressive minded person or open-minded person I just didn't want to stir the pot. See, I think that's 
interesting only because of a particular personal story that comes to mind because in by removing that and thinking you had to remove that you're thinking that signals me as as an other as a, as a yeah. person that they don't want that and it brings to mind the story of um, my dad was sleeping on the couch when I was a kid and I painted all of his toenails and all of his nails Barbie pink um, <laughs> and he didn't realize and he he worked in the defense industry he was a software engineer and he went to work and the whole day at work he had these bright pink nails which obviously he did notice once he'd got there and other people commented on but I didn't bother him at all because he just told them my daughter painted my nails and he didn't even give it a second thought um, and it's because you've made that association that you feel like you need to remove them whereas for other people it's just oh well mm. something that just happened I just do I just have painted nails yeah I think I think I think for me it was that idea of being labeled or signaled that right oh we have an other here you know mm. um I think already if you was you know I already sort of maybe visually maybe am other <laughs> so I just I, I think I would have at the time I'm trying not to do this now so much nowadays um but I would have made that effort to tone that down Nowadays, I, I can't say that I'm 100% there. Like I said before, it is a work in progress, but um, I would try and have that conversation with myself and sort of say, look, what what is at risk here, you know? Now, there are instances where you just use, use common sense if there is safety involved. Um, but here in the UK, I think it's fair to say, for the most part, that you know, if someone does, you know, make a comment, whatever, you will, or you should have, um, quote, the system behind you. Um, but that doesn't always work out, I guess. Yeah. I was going to say, I think it depends on who you are massively, because mm. I know that for my trans friends, they've, they've suffered some horrific experiences even here in the UK. So I think it... Mm -hmm you know it's it's disappointing that that there hasn't been that progress um for them um and it, it continues to be a concern because that's the thing about deciding what what you're going to do like like dan says it's um it is a matter of assessing risk some of the time mm -hmm. how much you say about yourself how do you present yourself um you know it, it does come down to the experiences that you might have had where you could have been in danger for actually being open about about who you are um or you know that's everything from possibly you know coming to harm all the way down to just maybe being ostracized or you know having kind of working opportunities taken away from you or you know losing a losing a friendship or you know anything that that might put you in in jeopardy in some way all of that has to be weighed up when you're deciding how much of yourself that you're going to reveal and i always think that you know, for us as a community and allies as well, that's what makes it all the more important to provide those kind of signals to people that you're a safe person, that you are somebody that can be trusted, that you are an ally, that you will stand by by them if anything happens. Um, and there's all kinds of different ways that you can do that. But I think having these kind of open conversations is is hugely important and um, and not shying away from the subject is massively important, which is one reason that I'm really glad that we're doing this today. Mm, I was going to say that I think that's a big part of where allies come into it. And 
to be an ally I think you can't just sit back and say and assume that people know that you're an ally you almost have to be out there saying I will I will stand up for you I I'm with you I I get it I'll listen um not to stand on my Christian soapbox again um <laughs> my granny was a vicar and she worked in uh, a very small place in Norfolk which is fairly backwards um and she she did a sermon about accepting trans people and she later got a trans person coming to the church because they felt comfortable that she would protect them and she would advocate for them and they'd said you know th there wasn't anywhere else that I could worship and feel safe and that was a big thing for them and so yeah I think you have to be an out ally I guess is what I'm saying <laughs> yeah I think that's a really powerful story actually I think of, of your your grand who did that and I think that is exactly what we as people and you know employers um business you know I think we start to see I think um there, there's a few in Bristol that I've noticed I'm not sure if it's a Bristol thing or if it's you know in most cities but you will sometimes see like the um oh, I'm forgetting the name of it now. The the various gender sort of symbols with the rainbow flag behind it. Mm -hmm. There's probably a proper name of this. Someone can correct me. Um, but yeah, I think making it known that this is a safe space and it's something that I've been sort of researching and looking at different people's ideas of um, what creating a safe space is. And perhaps that's an entirely <laughs> different discussion. But yeah, it's a very important thing to create a space where people feel safe to be themselves um and feel free to be like authentically themselves and safe products how are you running your business in order to support lgbtq people i don't know what you what you both think about that oh yeah i completely i'm yeah that is a real issue and it's it's constant debate that i feel, I feel that comes up in this in the uh LGBTQ plus community <laughs> every pride season that comes around that you know suddenly we see all the big corporations um all the logos change on LinkedIn and in some socials um which you know first of all that that's great it, the fact that you know a corporate a corporation isn't afraid to do that without you know the fear of loss of customers is great um it would have been great if they'd done it maybe say twenty years ago. But you know, you know. <laughs> um, but you know, it's fine. There was you know, we have progress and people move times, you know, people evolve and learn. Um but there yes, I think there does need to be a sense of accountability to to that. I don't think it's something you can just sort of wave and get the, you know, the the, the queer pound in. And um, and so say yeah, you know, you come come to us. We, we, you know, there's um, <laughs> yeah. I think they there needs to be some sort of action that goes along with with that. And I think, mm -hmm. especially as employers, you need to be showing that you are again creating that safe space and actively encouraging um, a diverse workplace that's inclusive. Um, as well as trying to encourage, you know, the you know sort of the queer um, pounds to come in and spend. Mm. I think yeah. what's good is that people are becoming more aware of it. You know, there's 
I know this is not the same thing, but people, there's been a lot of talk of greenwashing, and I don't know what the trendy term for it is, but you know, the paying a living wage and people supporting, saying they support it, but they're not paying their employers a living wage or outsourcing to a point where it's not. So I think people are starting to pick up on that disconnect between saying you support something and actually taking direct action for it. Yeah, and I think it's important that that, um, that businesses are held to account um, for, for what they say is their word. Um, yeah, I think it's important, especially um, if we if if we really want to see change um, made in in the workplaces and in the business world. I think a lot of that change comes down to to listening to people as well and really getting that diverse range of um, opinions about you know what it means to be part of the community, what it means to be you know coming to work as somebody who's part of the community. I think that that's massively important. Um, because I think a lot of the time, you know, people do get scared to get things wrong. Um, but, you know, the only kind of way out of that is through. And it's by having conversations like this and asking questions and saying when you don't know something. Um, and I think that that is that is hugely important as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I think, um, Lisa, I think you mentioned earlier on um, about the difference between ignorance and um Oh, what was the word? Ignorance and intolerance. That's it. Yes, and yeah, I think that was quite an important point you made because you you can, um, you can be ignorant, but as long as you're showing a sense of, I want to learn, I want to have an open mind, and um, hear people's experiences and stories. That's you know that's growth. You are showing growth and making positive steps for positive change. Um, I am very aware that, you know, all the three of us, well, although we do have quite a diverse range of experiences and backgrounds, we're not fully, um, perhaps, you know, we don't fully represent the colours of the the, uh, the the wonderful LGBTQ plus rainbow. Um, so what I thought would be good if people who are listening to this um, would like to continue the conversation either with us or as part of the diversity group to drop myself a message. My name is Daniel Kumar um, and I'm happy for the conversation to continue. We can add you to um, a diversity group for um, continuing this conversation and spreading the word. So finally, our favourite pride memories. Now I thought this could be a little bit of a fun section just to close off our our discussion of our favourite memories of Pride. So it could be your first Pride. It could be anything related to what we were discussing, really. So anything that makes you happy and um, laugh, maybe when you think back. Sarah, do you want to go first? Um, yeah, so so I've, I've only been actually been to Pride celebrations a couple of times, but um, one year I think I decided I was going to go and watch the parade in Bristol. Um, and that was kind of my way of being involved without having to sort of deal too much with crowds. And luckily, my friend um, came with me and um, we just had a really lovely time just watching watching the parade in Bristol, which is is always absolutely fantastic. And I think this was back in 2019, which is, I think, the last time that it was able to run, which just feels really sad at the moment. 
but there was something about just just being there together because my friend is also by and being able to to be together and talk about our experiences it just made me feel part of things and just seen uh, I think in a way that I hadn't really sort of felt before so that that was a really that was a really great experience I do remember being there with another friend of ours who 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 is straight and um, I think he said something like um, oh you know the two of you oh you kind of half understand what it is to be gay don't you and both me and my and my friend just turned and went no we're not half gay and half straight we're 100% you know bi and it was just it, it just felt in that moment like we were both kind of uh, I suppose validating each other's experience and uh, it sounds really small but it, it just it just meant so much to have someone there that understood that kind of frustration of feeling like you've got a foot in both camps or something when that's mm. not the experience of being bi at all so that that really stuck with me and and it was just it was just a really good really good experience good day yeah that sense of community that's in that like you mentioned having someone else you can also say you know actually you know this is the you know this is our experience rather than just you know half gay half not mm. and having someone else you can sort of you know say you know say what you're already thinking yeah <laughs> yeah how about you Lucy um, I'm going to be cheeky and share a couple. Um, yeah. I've actually never been to Pride. I would love to go. Um, but growing up in Stevenage, it's not really the sort of place that would have a Pride event. So I've yeah been limited in my experience. <laughs> um, I have, well, they're both kind of funny, actually. <laughs> um, one of my favourite memories is my sister absolutely loves drag. And um, there was actually a drag event in Stevenage when I came home from university one time. And so she got me, my mum, my dad all to go to this event. And my dad spent the entire night hiding behind a pillar because he thought that drag events involved pulling people up on the stage and making you dance with them. And he he couldn't cope with having to dance with, with <laughs> someone who was so, I don't want to say much because that sounds negative, but you know, quite quite um, a stage presence <laughs> um, and then my other one is the first time I went to um, a, a gay club in Nottingham with a couple of my friends and uh, drunkenly I asked them but will, will they know I'm not gay will I be allowed in and I thought that it wasn't a place that straight people could go with their gay friends <laughs> and I actually thought I would be othered and sent out and they both thought that was the most funny thing that ever heard <laughs> which kind of <laughs> highlighted just how I guess sheltered I was but I, I I didn't really know that all this kind of diversity existed until um I was well into my teens I think and so I'd just never been exposed to that world and had no idea how even a gay club worked <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny you say that because when, when I was at university um so even in my final year I've been, so I'd have been like 2021. 20, um, I was so scared to join the LGBT society. I would walk right up to the pub um, in Cardiff where they would have it. I think it was the Vulcan. Um, if anyone from Cardiff is listening. And <laughs> I would literally hang outside, pretend to be texting and then head back. And it was about like a 40 minute walk from where I lived as well. So it wasn't just like a walk around the corner. <laughs> oh, no. And I must have done this so many times. And there were um, some gay bars in Cardiff as well. Like I would like always 
walk past oh I should go in maybe as a no and then finally I meet some friends who were like oh let's go let's go let's go let's go and they took me for the first time and uh that was my first experience in a gay bar in Cardiff um and it's unfortunately it's closed it's called wow and um there's been quite with covid obviously a lot of the gay venues in Cardiff have been closing so support your local gay venues when you can um but in terms of pride oh, my first pride I think was 2012 and that was when Pride in Bristol was from College Green which looking back now is such a small space considering how huge it's gotten um the headliner which people may not recognize the name was a singer called Martha Wash and Martha Wash was one half of the Weather Girls and (laughs) (laughs) yeah and um she, she actually has a song in her solo career called Carry On. And it's, maybe we were talking about like gospel music. It's like a gospel house song. And it is one of my favourite songs of all time. It's such a good, like, pick me up and power on through the difficult moment songs. And she sang that. And I was like, oh my God, I'm living my life. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think the other favourite pride moment was... Um, Prider then moved on to Castle Green because it's a bigger venue again. And we had been out for the Pride Parade like in the morning. We were out all day in the hot sun and the after party was starting. And basically I was like, you know, it's hot days. We were in shorts and t-shirts and flip-flops. And I think I must have been stood on my feet the whole day and my feet were so sore. And I, th- I think my heat stroked brain thought it was fine to walk across Bristol to the after party in bare feet and (laughs) just because my feet were so sore I thought oh the cool concrete floor will keep my feet (laughs) what a mistake dad (laughs) (laughs) and I got home and I mean there's photos of me from the night and I was like covered in like glitter and sweat that sounds like you're covered in glitter that sounds like yeah It was such a fun night. I mean, I look back now and I think, gosh, it was messy, but it was a fun time. And, like, it was genuinely fun. Like, there was so much joy. And, um, yeah, I don't think I could do it again, though. I think uh, I like to come out for the parade and go home and shower and change and then come out for the after party. (laughs) (laughs) Well, on that moment... This is our final takeaway. Be authentic to yourself. <laughs> don't, <laughs> yeah. don't feel like you need to put on airs and graces. <laughs> I think so. I think that's a good takeaway. Exactly. But it's true. And like, you know, if you can live your authentic selves, you are giving the world a gift. You're being your true self to the world. You're giving the your working environment, your personal environments, the best you. And, you know, hopefully people, you know, and like I, I've, I've put on my notes here, um, that hopefully the next generation of Dan Kumar will see me being my authentic self and it will make it that little bit more easy for them to be their authentic selves without shame or loneliness or fear. Yeah. yeah. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is assuming the self you show us is your authentic self anyway. That's true. <laughs> to be fair, I do, I do feel quite comfortable around you guys. So, yes, you are seeing, you are seeing the authentic me. <laughs> oh, that's good. 
I want to thank you both Sarah and Lucy for your time and for joining in this conversation it's been really fun yeah definitely and thank you as well thank you for hosting Dan no, it's, it's been my pleasure and thank you to um, Methods for um, giving us the space to have this conversation.